Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies Podcast. It was not a very good week for the Blackhawks, to say the least. Um, and we'll get right into a recap. Um, I'm going to make this pretty short because there just wasn't a lot of good hockey for the Blackhawks to talk about. So, anyway, um, uh, the week began with a Thursday night game against the Flyers. And again, as in the first game, against the Flyers. The Blackhawks have a lot of trouble in this game. Uh, the Flyers pulled out to a, a 2-0 lead in the first two periods, and it was not very competitive. The Blackhawks did not play well in this game. Uh, Brandon Saad did score a goal to start off the third period, so you know that put a little bit of life into the fans at United Center, but it just wasn't meant to be. They... Uh, Added the Flyers added two more goals and won a fairly easy four to one victory. Uh, so then the Blackhawks finally went on the road for only the second time this year after their opening game and um, went to Carolina to play the Hurricanes. And if possible, played even worse than their game against the Flyers. Uh, this game was not very close at all. The Hurricanes won four nothing. The Blackhawks almost. Generated almost nothing on offense in this game, and it just there wasn't much to say about this one. The one bright spot in the four games was the next night in against the Kings back at home. The Kings are not very good, and boy did they prove they weren't very good in this game. Uh, Dylan Strom and Alex DeBrincat were reunited on the fourth line in this game after being separated for most of the season. And they lit the Kings up. Um, Strom had two goals. Debrinket had one. And they assisted on each other's goals. And it was... The Blackhawks pretty much dominated this game. Uh, Drake Kajula scored a late goal. And they ended up winning 5-1. to one. It was not... It was not a very close game, actually. And then we move into Tuesday night's game. Where they went to Nashville to start this mini four-game trip that they're going to finish this week, but it was... Man, that game, it was not good. The I will say... The You're first, being charitable. Yes, yes. The first, like, eight minutes, nine minutes, uh, the Black Ice played, I guess, okay. But yeah. the rest of the game, they got absolutely massacred. It was about... I don't think I've seen a game this bad all season for the Blackhawks. They, uh, I believe, I don't know if they actually got 50 shots, but the Predators were very close to 50 shots. Robin Leonard was just under siege. He played incredibly well. Um, it's actually quite an accomplishment that the Blackhawks only lost this game 3 nothing. Uh, all three goals were scored by Nick Benino, former uh, Mighty Duck and Penguin, but this game could have been way worse, but... It was two points out of a possible eight, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. It was not good for the Blackhawks. Yeah, basically three non-competitive games sandwiched around, you know, a good effort against the Kings, although as you mentioned, the Kings were the worst team that they played in the, in the you know, this set of games. And really... Um, you know, the thing that stood out to me was the Blackhawks 
were able to skate with the Kings. Uh, the Blackhawks actually looked like the quicker team between the two in in that uh, contest, but uh, the Nashville game especially, and, well, the Carolina game as well, uh, those are just not just deep teams but fast teams. And the Hawks, especially since their uh, compete level wasn't very high as well, but um, the Hawks were just really outskated in both games as well. It, you know, those those two teams are just able to roll four lines and three D pairs, and you know these are two of the better teams in the league. So, you know, you, you don't expect really the the Blackhawks to win those games that often against those teams, but you at least would like to see them be competitive and stay in the game. And in neither one of those games did they show any ability to be able to hang with either of those teams. So that was the most disheartening thing. And, you know, like you said in the um, Nashville game, uh, you know, outside of Robin Leonard, it was just an absolute ridiculously bad showing. Um, they did, uh, in fact, give up more than 50 goals. And if I remember correctly, also had under 20 goal or excuse me, over 50 shots. Yes. And then um, they it uh, felt like 50 registered goals. less than 20 themselves. Yeah, it was just um, it wasn't quite to the extent of the uh, second period of the Tampa Bay Lightning game from what was that last year or mm-hmm. the year before where they gave up 33 shots in one period. Um, but this was a similar type of just, you know, poor showing. Um, and it's definitely something that could kind of break a team. We'll see. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to add, too, is that um, I don't want to cut you off too early, but there's been a ton of stuff that's happened over these this last week since we did our last right. podcast. So I'm just going to dive into some of the stuff right away um yeah we'll we'll start out with of course uh the big news brent seabrook was a healthy scratch and then a healthy scratch again he's been scratched yes. the last two games which is something we've been talking about and of course the problem is is that i don't know if they can fill out the rest of their def- the rest of the guys they brought in are not much better as evidenced by these last two games but i thought i'd ask you so they pulled the trigger on uh scratching seabrook yeah, um, and I, I think they handled it appropriately to begin with um, in that they did give Seabrook an opportunity early this season to see if he had, you know, managed to make any strides or turn turn his game around at all in the early part of the year. Um, but it was clear he was no better than last year and perhaps, you know, perhaps even slightly worse. Um, I don't. Although I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say he was worse than last year, but he, he he was not helping the Blackhawks in any meaningful way, and was often caused costing them um, prime scoring opportunities against for you know to give just getting outskated, giving up the blue line too too easily, um, and then getting out muscled in front of the net as well. So you know it was definitely you know. They gave him some rope at the beginning of the year. 
Um, and then they waited for, you know, the first back-to-back opportunity during the season. So they played him uh, in the first game, and then uh, and that, that was the Carolina game. And then they had the, the, the quick turnaround the next day. They flew from Carolina back to Chicago to play the Kings, and they sat out Seabrook. And, you know, of course the team won. Um, his replacement was uh, Gilbert, who honestly played a quite similarly to Seabrook. Uh, wasn't really an upgrade, but the Kings were bad and the, the, the Hawks um, as a group played pretty well. So they, they came out with the win and that at least gave them the justification of, hey, this was our best game in a while. Let's roll with the same lineup the following game, which was, of course, the Nashville game that went disastrously. But the thing that concerned me a little bit is we kind of got some rumblings that Seabrook was pretty unhappy and they didn't necessarily communicate well with him uh, in that second game that he was going to be scratched. He just kind of found out. They didn't They didn't really talk to him about it beforehand. Um, so that's a little concerning, and there's been some rumblings that he's you know, pretty unhappy and, you know, that's justifiable, um, you know, on his part, but at the same time, you know, his play hasn't dictated that he needs to be in the lineup regardless of what his contract and past contributions are. Um, so it's definitely going to be something to monitor. Um, the interesting aspect is, you know, they gave Gilbert a shot these last two games, and I haven't been impressed. Uh, his lack of foot speed is similar to Seabrook. He has been playing tough. Um, he has been throwing hits, unlike Seabrook. Um, so Gilbert was winning some physical battles, but, you know, he's just another slow skater in a defensive group of slow skaters. And I, you know, is something. You know, this would be a lot easier to justify to Seabrook if Connor Murphy was still around. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're replacing him with a guy like Gilbert, it's it's pretty tough. Now, the news from today that they are calling up Adam Boquist um, brings a slightly different element to this argument. You know, you have um, not only a high draft pick, you know, somebody that the fans and the team are, you know, rightly excited about, but... Boquist is a guy that brings a, a different element, um, you know, with his uh, skating ability. Although, you know, he's not super fast, but he's he's a he's he's a, a quality skater with a, a a big shot, an accurate shot, great offensive instincts. You know, very similar type game to you know what uh, Eric Gustafson can bring when he's on his game. Um, but I'm very interested to see how uh, this next uh, game goes against the Kings coming up here this weekend where, um, you know, these, these last two games, they've, they've dressed six left-handed defensemen. And that's obviously not ideal deployment. Um, I would be very surprised if Seabrook isn't back in and that Boquist will be inserted as well, which will give them two right-handed shots. Um, Gilbert's an obvious guy to bench um but it's it's within the realm of possibility that i uh, you know i think they could be 
looking to sit Gustafson for a game as well because he has not been particularly good at any point this season. Um, there's been some games where he hasn't turned the puck over with regularity, but he has not brought the offense. Um, he hasn't been the catalyst that he was, um, you know, especially in the second half of last year. And that's been pretty evident on the power play, which is yeah, that, been, actually, you know, a disaster. Now that you've said that, that kind of I was going to bring up the other big uh, young guy news, but I think we'll transition right into this because the you know I was before the season we were saying or when the season started we were saying well you know the penalty kill might not be good but it won't be historically bad again. I mean that can't happen again, and we were right; it wasn't historically bad. Now, of course, the freaking power play. Is historically bad. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's been brutal. What is it? One for their last twenty-seven or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, they're like three for thirty-seven on the year. Yeah, what um, is going on? I, it's it's maddening. Um, you know, and part of it is, you know, I, I I've brought it up several times on the podcast in the past. Uh, Patrick Kane is not an ideal power play guy. Um, it's always been a limiting factor that they have to go through Patrick Kane because of his status. But, you know, it were, what, 12 years into his career or whatever, and the Blackhawks' power play has never been good, um, regardless of the amount of talent they've had around. Um, they've never had a top power play unit. And I, the only explanation for that is the fact that it runs so much through Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's not to say that Kane obviously is not you know a phenomenal player, but it's a limiting factor for the team uh, that he's not especially good on the power play. Um, but the you know the the big fall off that they had since last year is Gustafson's not playing well, Taves is not playing well, Strom up in you know other than the one game has not been playing well. Um, they made some adjustments. They took Strom off the first power play unit, inserted Nylander um, to give them another right-handed shot there. That hasn't been particularly effective, um, you know, but I, the the fall-off in Taves' play has been dramatic. He is not just on the power play, uh, but five-on-five, five, he's just getting caved in possession. Yeah, and it's like it's not even like... It's not like you could say, yeah, bad luck, you know, good no, goal scoring. every game. He is not getting chances. It's not like the chances no. aren't going in. He is not getting scoring chances at all. Yeah, he's not getting, he's not generating shots. He's not creating offense for anyone else. And he's been getting beat in the defensive zone as well. Uh, his positioning and, uh, dare I say, effort level have not been up to his normal caliber you know, even in the years where his offense wasn't great and, you know, and he was scoring 50, 60 points in a year, um, he was still driving possession and doing it against top competition. Um, what we are seeing this year is regardless of who his line mates are and regardless of what line he gets matched up against in a particular game, his line is getting killed in possession. Um, it, and it, you know, if he gets out there against the fourth line, he's losing. If he goes out there against the first line, he's getting destroyed. And it's a really troubling sign for this team because they do not have any other, 
you know, significant depth at the center position. Um, yeah, and, and I don't want to even. I also don't want to get let Kane off the hook either, because he's got no, five he games without a goal. That's I, I don't even know if he's oh, got much of a point. I was gonna say I don't I don't actually think he has a point in the last five games, which is for him unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And even earlier in the year when he was, you know, scoring at a decent rate, uh, he wasn't driving possession either. Um, it's been. A real problem um, where it, you know, to some extent, this team is much deeper than it was last year. Um, where the team, you know, was able to to ice a decent top six, um, Taves and Kane and DeBrinket and and Strom and a couple other guys were playing pretty well and. You know, so they had six or seven strong forwards, and they were they were able to match up decently. But where they were getting killed was in the third or f- and fourth line. Yeah, and then this year they they it's forti- been the opposite. Yeah, they fortified their third and fourth line, and you know the sod line is playing very well. And yeah. No, is it? Could it be something like they leaned so hard on the top lines last year that they're no? I, I, I they're I don't just know. they're just not playing well. I, you know, and it, it could be age. This could be the, the, the you know, the, the decline phase that we've always feared um, was coming. Um, you know, this may just simply be the new norm that we need to expect from Taves and Kane. They're not skating as well as they used to. And they're, they're not able to create separation in the neutral zone or the offensive zone. And it's not creating opportunities for themselves or anyone else. And, you know, you, you do have to be concerned that they're just not going to be, you know, consistent top six players. There's still going to be games where their skill is going to win out. You know, they're going to make some plays. And it might only be against bad competition now. You know, you know the, the, the team as a whole played pretty well against the Kings, um, even though that particular line with, with uh, Taves and Kane was not nearly the best part of it. it. You know, they might have actually been the worst line in that game. Yeah, and you've got to, you have a hope at least. I mean, even if they're reduced from what, they, what they've been, there's got to be, there'll be a stretch, you'd hope, where they played well. I mean. Right. Right, that, and that's the hope. And you know, there's there was some talk that um, Taves got sick at the beginning of the year, and that you know potentially it's been kind of a lingering thing where he just hasn't been a hundred percent yet. And I know that's an easy oh laugh it off, you know. But uh, just speaking from uh, uh, my own personal experience over this last month, I've been sick pretty much for three weeks um i'm still coughing you know there you know we had the the podcast you know a week or two ago where i could barely speak and you know i have not been able to shake um you know this illness so you know if it, if it's that type of thing that's been lingering with him you know obviously you just kind of hope you know maybe that's something that can clear up eventually and he can you know rediscover his game but you know, we haven't really heard anything, you know, that's up with Kane, but he's he's just not doing anything. And that's that's probably the big, you know, the one big concern is, 
you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen stretches where Taves hasn't been, you know, the Taves we've come to expect. But Kane was always kind of there. You know, yeah, he'd have a bad game here or there, but, you know, there was never a five-game stretch like we've seen here, and there hasn't been a, you know, a, a, an opening. I don't even know how many games we've played now. Um, 11 games, I guess. Uh, you know, he's never had a stretch like these 11 games where he just hasn't been able to consistently generate stuff. So it's a it's a real big concern because I think we're also seeing, um, you know, the fact that Debrinket and Strom are not guys that we can count on, at least not at this point, to carry a load offensively, um, you know, when they're the focal point. Um, you know, I, I, as good as Debrinket was last year with his 40 goals, you got to remember how many times he ended up on the third line last year. Um, he was not always getting matched up against top competition. And now other teams are being able to focus on him a little bit more since Taves and Kane aren't generating and we're not seeing Debrinket being able to generate for himself. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those and, things, too. Um, I was going to add with, like, um, um, you, you're going to see guys like a Kirby Doc, who we're going to talk about now, who is going to stay up for the year. Yes. And you do. Yeah, that was the other big news. Yeah, and you do wonder if, you know, if Taves and Kane were playing better and the team looked better, would they keep a, a Doc or Boquist down? But now they're thinking maybe this team isn't as good as we thought, so we'll throw these guys up here to get some playing time. Yeah. Um, you know, there's certainly different interpretations you can read into it. Um, you know, is it a matter of desperation? Or is it a calculation of, you know, especially in Doc's case, I think he's shown enough in his, uh, what is it, six games or so by now, where he's kind of shown that he's among their best 12 two-way players. You know, he's not consistently generating offense, and he's not consistently playing um great in the defensive zone but he's doing it more consistently than several guys on the team um you know but there's still holes in his game he can't win a face off to save his life you know and then with Bolquist I'm I'm really curious you know how this is going to go given you know the amount of veterans that they have uh, I know obviously Murphy's going to be out for a while, but you know you're already struggling with the Seabrook issue. Yeah, I'm just I'm really curious how they're going to slice up that playing time. You know that was the other question I was going to ask you. Um, you would think a Bolquist would get a look on the power play given his, you know, offensive. I, honest, I honestly think he's going to be. Um, quarterbacking power play one I, I really think they're going to strip Gustafson of that responsibility in this next game well that, just see yeah see how it goes that was the other question I was going to ask and other people have brought this up too can we not get a like a glimpse of Kirby Doc on the power play standing in front of the goal is that can he not be on the power play I don't get that <clears throat> yeah um I would be very interested to see not just Boquist replace Gustafson on power play one uh, but Dylan Strom replaced Taves. 
Um, so you can get Stroman to bring it back out there, get Kane and Nylander, and then with Boquist on the back end. And then for power play two, um, you know, you got to get Kubalik out there for his shooting ability. Um, if Gustafson is in the lineup, he would certainly be the defenseman you would want on that unit. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think you could put uh, any combination of Saad, Doc, Taves, um, and, and you know, just really kind of even rotate guys if you wanted. And uh, But, yeah, um, if, if this season continues to spiral, um, they're definitely going to have to give Doc additional responsibilities on the power play because you don't want him just playing 10 minutes. You can justify it if the team's winning. And you know he's able, and he's and he's contributing, and the team is winning. But if the team's not going anywhere this year, you don't want him playing ten minutes and not getting power play and penalty kill time because that's the sort of thing you want to expose him, expose him to. Yeah, and now that they made the decision to bring him up for the rest of the year, then yeah, it's time to. If you're not, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then you should have let him stay in juniors. So if you're making this decision, you should probably up his playing time a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, in the last game we did see him uh, in that third period when they were getting killed. Um, they did uh, put him up on the wing with Taves and Kane. And uh, I'm curious to see if that's something that they explore a little bit more. Um, you know, just to try and trigger Taves a little bit. Um, maybe even help Taves in the defensive zone where Doc can kind of, you know, help lighten the load a little bit. And that would certainly up his playing time a little bit. And I I do like the idea of him playing with Kane. So I I would not mind seeing that line uh, get a little bit of run, Um, but we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about him not getting power play time right now, but over the course of, you know, the next 70 games it's definitely something they have to incorporate more and more well you know at this point if you're you're one for your last 27 on the power play just start putting every put you know put could well, like i said i think that's why boquist is here i think you might see strom get um a little more involved um you know so i i definitely think they're you know the, the boquist call-up is telling. They, you know, I mean, they already had seven defensemen here, and they're now carrying eight, and that's not even counting Murphy. They, weren't, they aren't going to be calling him up in this situation if they don't have a role for him, or at least they shouldn't be calling him up if they don't have a role for him. Yeah. And any role that includes Adam Bulquist at this point in his career, where he's still a work in progress in his own end, is going to involve Adam Bulquist on the power play. Yep. So, so I guess that's a good... Uh, Point to go into your uh, yeah. recaps or your preview, so we can see the first game that Adam Boquist will play. I assume he's going to play. Yeah, I mean they called him up uh, on Wednesday. I'm assuming they called him up that early so that they can practice, get some practice time in with him leading the power play, and so that you know the first exposure will be coming up this weekend. 
They get to have a rematch against the Kings. Uh, this time it'll be on the road, though. The, the, the Hawks are going to be making a, a West Coast uh, road trip. It's going to be, uh, at least for this, this coming week, it's all going to be in California. So Saturday night, uh, late at 9.30, they're going to be taking on the Kings. Uh, that was obviously the one game that they won last week was against the Kings, and it was the Hawks' better showing. And it's a team that they match up well against. So Yeah, basically it's the only team they're faster than that I've seen yeah, this well, year. Yeah, um, this, this should be a good three-run stretch for the Hawks here where hopefully you, know, you, you could hope for a little bit of a rebound. Because uh, after they take on the Kings Saturday night, um, they get to head uh, down the road to Anaheim and take on the Ducks the following night. Uh, so Sunday night at 7, uh, the Ducks are not having a good season either. Um, they're the, the, the best of the teams that they're going to be playing. The, the, the Ducks are in uh, a playoff position right now, but they're not... Uh, they're not playing anything special, but you know it is this the the back end of a double header. But the the Hawks have you know some games off, some days off leading up to this, so you hope that they're rested enough uh, where they'll be able to handle this back to back. But then they they have a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, they have, they'll have Monday off, um, but then they'll be taking on the Sharks in San Jose Tuesday night at nine. Um, the Sharks are struggling just as badly as the Hawks. Um, they've only got one more point, despite playing two more games than the Hawks. And just you know, it's been a real disappointing season for the Sharks so far. Um, and the Sharks are a team that they're. Um, I looked up the goaltender stats because I know it's early, but um, Jones is bad. Yeah, Jones and their backup Dell are both. In the bottom ten of goals yeah. against average so far, so they give up a lot of goals. Yeah, it you know it was always a bit of an issue with them, uh, even when the rest of their team was playing pretty well. Um, Jones would get hot every once in a while, but it was it's long been considered kind of their weak their weak point. And now that the guys in front of him aren't playing quite as well, he's really getting exposed. So. I think the Hawks match up fairly well against all three of these teams, and hopefully the embarrassment that they suffered at the hands of the Predators will kind of light a fire under them, and maybe the Hawks can come away with four or five or even all six points out of this. You know, that's that's what they need if they want to kind of save their season here and get back on track. Um you know, I think anything less than four points, and you, you really got to start looking at this just not being the Hawks' season and starting to make you know some different plans mm-hmm. as far as looking at trades and you know what, you know what what can they do to start building for the future. Yeah, you'd at least like to see a much better effort than some of these games right. the past week because there are some not good efforts. Right, right. Well, I guess on that happy note, um, this will be it for this episode. Uh, I'm on Twitter at STH85, Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. Right, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast Store and 
you know, I, I might try to put it on other things. If any of you people have any other places you like to listen, like Stitcher or something, I might try to expand the podcast on the, those uh, sites. So uh, let me know. Um, anyway, hopefully we have a better result uh, our next podcast than the one we had to talk about this week. But uh, we will find out. And until that next podcast, uh, go Hawks.